Hey everybody, welcome to a new edition of the All Rise podcast from Front Page Detectives. I'm Editor-in-Chief Alex Lang, and I'm joined by... Doug Montero. He's one of our reporters. Everybody loves hanging up on him. If you've uh, hung out with us the last few weeks, you would know that uh, Doug makes the calls and then gets the click almost immediately. For the most part, yeah. That's what really happens. Do you ever get, like, really excited when somebody does talk to you? Of course. Like, yeah. like it just catches you off guard that somebody actually would answer your questions or speak to you for even briefly before they hang up? Yeah. It makes my day. That's what I figured. Then when they get to know me, then they hang up. Yeah. I, I, I give most people about 90 seconds to two minutes, and then they get the click. So uh, that's Doug's life in a nutshell, everybody, as, as a reporter. Um, as a reporter-editor, I can admit that happens a lot, so you get used to it. Yeah, I've been getting the door slammed in my face now for the past 40 years, I think. 40 years. That's a long time, Doug. That's a long time, which leads us to today's topic, which is one of the most famous cold cases of all time. Uh, We're going to break our traditional format of talking of a few cases that are in the news or we featured on Front Page Detectives um, to talk about the John JonBenet Ramsey case. Yeah, Alex. I mean, this case has been in the news, in the landscape, for the past 26 years. Quarter century, we've been talking about this one. Everybody, and by everybody, I mean everybody, from news media to citizens, has been investigating this for more than 25 years. And and it's, it's amazing, Alex, because, you know, you're sitting at home, minding your own business, and bam, all of a sudden you get this news story about the John Bonet Ramsey case, this, that, the other. There's always some sort of a break. But at the end of the day, Alex, they got nothing. Yep. We still don't know who did it. It's still a cold case. It is up in the category of Hoffa, of Jack the Ripper, of some of the most famous ones of all time. Black Dahlia. Black Dahlia would be another one. I mean, it, it, it's there. If you were to ask people the most famous cold cases of all time, I would guess almost half would say John Bonet Ramsey, if not more. Yeah, and and the other thing that I realized about some of these cases, Alex, is that um, you have an army of armchair detectives, normal citizens who are gravitated to this case for whatever reason, and they go headlong conducting an investigation and it's rather amazing uh because i've I've spoke over the years i've spoken to about maybe five six seven of these folks who feel adamant that perp a is the killer no it's perp b and there's websites involving the john benet ramsey case um, there's chat rooms, there is so many, it's almost like an entire community of people that are either interested in the case or trying to solve the case or trying to do something with this case. It's almost like they should, they should have a convention one day and then just have all these people sit down and talk about it. I think those are called crime conventions, Doug. They happen, they exist. But, <laughs> but do you think that they... How many people do you think I could get for a John Bonet convention? Oh, wall? easy, easy hundreds, easy, yeah, easy for that one. I mean, part of it is I think people want to um, be the one to solve it. Um, you see that often with some of these 
true crime cases that go viral or national or become part of culture almost people want to want that notoriety of being the one who figured it out um i think that drives a lot of it yeah that is true and and to your knowledge alex i mean you're you're the editor of front page detectives have you ever come across a case where the average citizen solves the murder as opposed to law enforcement um there's been a few um there was kristen smart out in california that was that was kind of spurred by a podcast the podcaster kind of presented it and it it caused some new information and it led to uh recently a conviction in her disappearance and murder um so it's not impossible uh we'll say but it what 99 times out of 100 98 times out of 100 it's law enforcement who who figure it out um at best citizens might figure out something or present something, or put it in such a way that it causes another look. But whether they solve it or not is extremely rare. Yes, it is. But however, I don't want to say this because I want to discourage people from not investigating. I I actually enjoy the fact that there are average people out there who, you know, God bless you, um, want to take on these pursuits, which, you know, before we forget, because Alex sometimes forgets. Alex, why don't you tell them that if they have any information on the John Bonet case, what should they do? Oh, they can email editors at frontpagedetectives.com. We're happy to talk them, talk to them about it at least. If not, uh, maybe see if there's a story there or something that needs to be done. Um, we can look into it. Before we get too far, Doug, um, for anybody who's new who stumbled on our podcast or true crime in general, uh, first off, thank you for stopping by. Um, but for those that don't know, JonBenet Ramsey was a young girl. Um, she was found dead in her Boulder, Colorado home. In 1996. Uh, 1996, around Christmas, which is why we're talking about it now. Um, this year marks the 26th anniversary of the killing. Uh, the six-year-old was found dead in her home after being missing for a little bit. She was murdered, and it set off a investig- investigation that almost immediately grew drew national headlines yeah and and what made the case interesting is the fact that she was abducted from her bed you know which is really really terrifying and we're not talking about a house out in in the prairie or in the wilderness we're talking about a, a, a rather large house in a really really nice neighborhood uh, it's a it's an urban setting so there's neighbors all around on the sides and across the street so apparently somebody just went in there grabbed her took her down to the basement abused her strangled her bashed her over the head and they disappeared however what makes it even the more intriguing is that they left the ransom note demanding a three-page ransom note demanding one hundred and eighteen thousand dollars yeah, the, the case has a million twists and turns, but the, the kind of takeaway today is we still don't know who did it. Um, the suspects, suspects remain unknown. Um, who exactly is responsible for this youth beauty pageant, this six-year-old's death, uh, remains a mystery. And that's what, that's what captivates people is just there's so many twists and turns that you can kind of like dive into and di- dissect and talk about. Um, 
Then you add in the fact you have a young girl, her family, this rich lifestyle. It just kind of attracts everybody to it. Um, But, Doug, I want to kind of address the elephant in the room with this story. It's been 26 years. We're not talking about a case from the 1800s. We're not talking about even something from the 1940s. We're talking about something from 1996, not super long ago. Um, It leads me to the question of, do you think it will ever be solved? Do you think we'll know who killed John JonBenet Ramsey? At this rate, after all these years, and based on, on the fact that the investigation continues to remain in the hands of the Boulder Police Department, wait, let me, re, let me rephrase that, that the case remains in the hands of the bumbling Boulder Police Department, I really don't think that this case is going to go anywhere until somebody makes the executive decision to take it away from the Boulder Police Department. Yeah, I, I tend to lean in that camp. Maybe maybe not the police issue, but it's been 26 years. The developments we've had in technology and solving cold cases have been around um, for a lot of years, especially recently. I mean, we've seen a wave of old cold cases being solved. And this one, one of the most famous, remains unknown. Um, it really gets you to wonder if, if we'll ever know who killed her or if it will be Hoffa, if it'll just be rumors and random things that pop up over the next century um, without any real evidence or closure uh, on this case. Yeah, and and what I'm thinking is if the case eventually does get solved, that it will most likely be one of these deathbed confessions where some guy is going to come out of the woodworks from, let's just say, Missouri and say, when my old man was dying, he confessed to me that he murdered John Bonet. That's what I think, Alex. I mean, I hope I'm wrong, but you never know. That's what I'm thinking is how this case is going to be resolved. Yeah, it could be that or somebody trying to make some type of deal, um, whether they're in trouble or they're in light trouble and know something to get somebody else in trouble and help themselves might might be, you know, what finally solves this. You know, DNA technology is out there. Maybe we get a new XYZ that helps kind of um, allow police a new investigative method or new information from the old evidence uh, will come about. But without one of those two things at this point, isn't it just kind of like redoing the same thing over and over and over and over and over in this case? Um, How much new can come up? Well, I mean, well, before before I jump into that one, I'm just wanted to say that. For some reason, I don't think, well, the possibility exists, but, I mean, do you think that there could be a snitch out there that's going to come forward and, like, you know, who's going to be uh, under arrest for some unrelated crime, who's going to be like, hey, I know the guy, I know the person who killed John Bonet. It, it's possible. I mean, we've seen it, right? Uh, jailhouse uh, cellmate. Uh, somebody tells something they shouldn't because they're spending years behind bars, maybe even for an unrelated crime to this one talks about the John Bonet case, that person, the cellmate, you know, wants a deal and then says, hey, prosecutors, police, I'll, I'll tell you this thing you really want to know if you get me out of here. It happens a lot in movies, but it's not impossible to happen in real life. That could be what turns this case. But without some new development, I'm in the camp of, you know, I, I, I just think it's going to become Black Dahlia. People will guess it'll be one of those that always ends with a cliffhanger. 
uh, when people are writing about it in 2150. Uh, it'll just have a cliffhanger type ending and a kind of what do you think without any real definitive answers. D.B. Cooper. D.B. Cooper's another one um, right up there. You know, everybody's got guesses. Everybody uh, thinks they know who it is and nobody really knows who it is. You have evidence there. You have photos. You have everything you could want that seems to set you up to solve it. Um, but you can't. And I have a feeling John Bonet is going to go the same way. And I want you to know one thing, and I've always been accused by my editor of burying the lead, but I'm, I buried the lead and I, and, I, and I have some news for you. There is no Jampanet investigation by the police department. What do you mean by that, Doug? Well, here's the thing. The Boulder Police Department have been investigating this case now for 26 years. So for the most part, they must have spoken to just about everybody that they need to speak to. Yeah, I mean, they put out a release every year to update the case um, and kind of because they know people are going to do anniversary stories or wonder about it. So around November, December, they do a news release. And a lot of years, it's the same. Um, This year's version mentioned they've talked to thousands of people, taken countless tips. Um, They're still contemplating further DNA testing in this case. Um, They're still working it, but in the end, it remains unsolved. Correct. And what I'm trying to say is that the cops are in a position now where they have nothing to go on for the most part, in my opinion. And what they have to do is sit back and wait for the information to fall on their lap. Now, I spoke to a private investigator Jason Jensen, who has been following this case now for several years, and he basically says that the Boulder Police Department is currently looking for a, quote, easy solve. That's his word, not mine. And I asked him, okay, what does that mean? And he says, quote, they're looking for someone to give them the tip, give them the lead, because after 26 years, they have nowhere else to look end quote and that makes sense yeah especially with the things we've been talking about right the easy kind of fall in your lap thing whether it's a deathbed confession a jailhouse snitch dna improvements i think that's entirely reasonable and and i mean it's not to say the current investigators aren't doing their thing but how many times can you interview the same person and and get something new so it might take that kind of easy fix or that lucky find yeah. for them for them to make a development in this case. It's like what the detectives uh, in L.A. told told us uh, on the Natalie Wood case, that right now they have interviewed just about everybody that you could conceivably interview for the murder. I mean, for the homicide investigation into her death. And. There's really not much else to do unless they get a viable tip that comes in. Now, but the Natalie Wood case is 1981, so we're talking about 40-something years ago, right? Right, right. I mean, you can keep talking to people over and over, and you might get something new um, kind of thing. But at some point, you're just rehashing the same information. They have nothing new to offer. Um, You just wonder if Boulder police have, have hit that mark where you've talked to the same people over and over and over and without something falling into your lap it's just kind of going in circles just new versions of the same story 
Correct. And and the other thing that I wanted to point out, uh, uh, based on my conversation that I had with investigator Jason Jensen, he says that the JonBenet investigation was poorly handled from the beginning. Um, and he says, quote, the case unfairly focused in on the family members and they excluded right off the cuff that it could have been a neighbor that it could have been an intruder but with their lack of experience i'm not surprised end quote and what he was saying is that for whatever reason and i'm not saying right or wrong or anything like that but for whatever reasons the police department honed in on the family they figured that the murder occurred within the home and was committed by somebody who lived in the home. And for God knows why, they just did not bother to look at any other possibility of an intruder. And some people have argued that they still maintain that it was somebody from the family and that there was no intruder or there was no outsider that would do this to the girl. Doug, let's talk about that a little bit after the break. Um, the the suspects, the current state of the investigation, um, but we got to pay some bills real quick. So everybody, hang with us while we take a quick break, and we'll be back to talk about kind of where the John Bonet investigation stands today, um, some of the people involved, and everything else going on with the case. Silky, smooth, sustainable—so much more than soap. Purple Swan is the nourishing, exfoliating soap your body needs at prices that your wallet will love. Try the relaxing oak lavender, soothing vanilla coconut, or refreshing sweet lily, all made from organic essential oils with a loofah right inside. Subscribe now for even better savings at purpleswanshop.com. Do you want to know what joy tastes like? Experience Plant Power CBD, the world's most delicious, organic, high-performing CBD oil. Lab tested and GMP and hemp strain verified, Plant Power delivers all of the impact you need from your CBD with none of the weird aftertaste or side effects. It's CBD, but for foodies. Try the coconut, pineapple, lemongrass flavor for summer in a bottle or the refreshing mix of mint, rosemary, and lemongrass for a truly timeless flavor, all available at plantpower.io. Plant Power, crafted for a purpose, infused to delight. All right, everybody, welcome back to the All Rise podcast from Front Page Detectives. In case you are just joining us or need a refresher, we're talking about the John Bonet Ramsey case, one of the most famous cold cases of all time. Uh, Doug and I were talking about whether we think it'll be solved. Uh, both of us kind of remain skeptical uh, that without some kind of out of the sky development, that it won't be solved. Um, but that doesn't mean people still aren't looking, there still aren't. Uh, people of interest or suspects that uh, police detectives and amateur sleuths are still trying to solve this 25-year-old cold case. Um, that's kind of where we stand today. Everybody says they continue to work. Um, we just wonder how much new information is being developed. Right. And the other interesting thing about the investigation, from what I understand, is that the same two investigators that handled the case in 1996, the same guys, they're still working at the Boulder Police Department. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you could take a lot of exceptions with 
how everything went down with Boulder police. Um, but when this case broke, the Boulder Police Department was fairly small. It wasn't the town it is today. Um, that's kind of a happening place that's very, that's growing very fast. Um, it was more just your typical college town. So it doesn't surprise me the people involved in this one were fairly young um, when it happened, right? Young officers kind of getting their start, not starting in Denver, you know, maybe looking for a more authoritative role faster. Um, yeah. I kind of I get that. Um, but they're getting older too, right? And it's 26 years. I mean, even if they started at 25, they're in their 50s now. They're approaching 60s. police. Yeah, yeah, they're approaching police retirement age. And that's another problem you have. But uh, the police have long been targeted in this one for their bumbling. Uh, I think it's fair. Uh, I mean, from the moment go, police seem either laxed or unprepared or... Uh, not knowing what they're doing. I mean, the one I come back to is when they found Jana- John Bonet's remains, people were still allowed to walk amongst the house. They were still allowed to talk to each other. There was a whole bunch of things that nowadays you'd look at and you go, what are they doing? Why aren't these people separated? Why isn't that hu- house shut down kind of thing? But none of that happened at the time. And you wonder if uh some of those first minutes if the procedures were changed if we wouldn't be sitting here today talking about this case that is very true alex because a lot of people seem to think that if the police would have been a little bit more thorough a little bit more professional about the whole thing that they would have at least been a little bit more closer to uh solving this case um the 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 problem that we have now is that 26 years later some people believe that the police are still bumbling the case and that will bring us to the issue of the dna yeah yeah i mean there's there's plenty of questions about police then and police today and how much they're looking into it um i joke that every time that release comes out that we talked about in the first half of the all rise podcast i call it a get off our back release they send it out every year so people don't blow up their phones with questions about what they're doing for the anniversary, where the investigation stands. Um, I mean, I bet if I print off the last two or three years, um, they almost read identical. Yeah. And the problem that everybody's having with these folks is that they don't say anything or they embellish. They say, we're still investigating. It's like, no, you're not. You're sitting around waiting for somebody to give you a clue. Yeah, I mean, there, there's very few details that are new in that. They don't say, hey, we developed this. Now, I get some of that, right? You don't want to play all your hands in your investigation. But when you just keep saying the same thing, yeah. it just leads people to ask questions or wonder what what you're actually doing. Right. And then every once in a while, they'll, they'll, they'll throw in a little curveball in there and they'll say, oh, and what with the DNA that we have, we've now got enhanced techniques and we're going to run it through here and do this with the DNA. And according to Jason Jensen, the private investigator, he says that there's a problem with the Boulder police and the DNA because they keep running the DNA through CODIS, which is the fancy way of describing the combined DNA index system that's that's held by the FBI. Correct. It's kind of the national FBI database, 
but there's a few ways to get entered into it. None of them are all that great. Correct. And according to Jensen, who seems infuriated by this whole situation, um, he says, the Boulder, quote, the Boulder police say that they have a DNA profile and that they check CODIS every day. Well, that sounds absolutely ridiculous and a waste of time. CODIS is only responsible for less than 15% of the DNA suspects out there. Yeah, because most... The, the most people in CODIS have been accused or convicted of a crime. Correct. Right. So they're people, Doug, you're convicted of murder. We need a DNA sample. And then what happens a lot of times is that DNA is compared to what's in CODIS. And you might be found out you had killed 10 years earlier in Florida. Um, we've seen that story here at Front Page Detectives, um, where somebody who's convicted of a murder is then tied to another one. Um, but you're limiting your citizen pool. What if the person who killed John Bonet has never been arrested? Correct. Uh, you wouldn't have their DNA in this system. So when you keep checking against CODIS, you're just kind of checking against that nefarious population when somebody who's an habitual criminal or who had killed another kid or assaulted another child wasn't involved in this case. So you're kind of like limiting your pool of possible suspects when you just check CODIS. Exactly. And the the situation with the DNA and the Boulder Police Department has forced John Bonet's uh, dad to write a letter to the governor of Colorado trying to persuade him to take over the case and not so much take over the case, but take take over the DNA aspect of the case and hand that vital criminal evidence to a private forensic laboratory. Alex, you recall the Golden State Killer, right? Yep. All yep. right. They they want to try to see if they could measure or examine the DNA with a larger pool as opposed to just the CODIS, right? These yeah. habitual offenders. They want to compare the DNA in, inside of a larger pool. And Alex, you, you're very familiar with all this stuff. I mean, could you explain? Yeah, so it's called genetic genealogy. Um, what happens is you take a DNA sample, and from that, you can basically build out a family tree um, from the suspect. You have a DNA sample, and it kind of matches somebody else. Um, maybe they're from CODIS. Maybe they're from something like Ancestry, where people do those DNA testing. They don't realize that um, some of these places will allow investigators to look at your DNA. So what might happen is your DNA might be a match for, you know, a 98% match for their sample, and then they use that to build out a family tree. Um, they can kind of narrow it down based on some of the things they took from the DNA sample, you know, sex, um, other characteristics, um, and kind of zone in on one or two people from this family tree. Um, then police can do their normal investigative tactics. They can go ask that person for a DNA, DNA sample. They could take something out of the garbage, you know, a cup, a, tooth, a toothbrush, um, and get DNA that way and then find a suspect. I mean, when they test DNA on these cold cases nowadays, that is the most common way they connect it to a killer. Um, they use this process, um, and they build out these family trees, and from that they're able to identify either the missing person, the remains that were found, or the killer. You know, the the question becomes, why hasn't Colorado, hasn't Boulder done this process? 
Um, they say it's because of the DNA samples they have. Right. And, and, and the thing is, it, if at any point they could take the DNA evidence that they have, that they could spare, right? If they, and according to them, they don't have any to spare. But if they would have taken the DNA sample and run a test on it, one of these ge- genealogy familial tests, Maybe they wouldn't have been able to find the killer, but perhaps they wouldn't have been able to find the killer's brother or the killer's cousin or somebody related to the killer. That's how they got the, the Golden State Killer, right? Correct. You build out these family trees. You say, okay, you're not the, the suspect we're looking for, but you're related to him. So we look at who you're related to and we work it from there. Um, it it kind of really, especially with these, some of these DNA testing sites and programs, really expands your pool of possible candidates. Um, You don't need a direct match. You just need somebody close enough to kind of start the process. Police have said they have considered more DNA testing. Um, But, and I'm going to use some of my limited DNA testing skills here. When you test DNA, you destroy it. Um, They say they have a small sample of DNA to test. So if they test it, and hope to do this process and end up destroying it without getting the results they need, it's gone forever. So in this case, you wonder what kind of sample they have, what's going on. Um, if it's so small that they get basically one one bite of the apple and that's it. Um, I get kind of the hesitation to take that risk because if you take that risk and miss, it's gone. Uh, you know, if you test it and it doesn't give you the results you need, uh, you know, not a full DNA profile, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you're kind of SOL. You have nothing to go on. You're, you've lost that sample. Um, maybe it's better. And I mean, in this case, it's 26 years. Maybe it's better to wait a year or two and hope te- technology improves where maybe you need even a smaller sample or you can do it without destroying the DNA. I understand that risk-reward balance that, you know, agencies face in this case. Um, but at some point, you got to take the risk, right? You can't wait for a perfect scenario play out because it might be 2080 when it does. Exactly. And, and, and here's the thing. Um, and it, it's, it's rather sad in a way, poignant. But in the letter that John Ramsey, JonBenet's dad, wrote a letter to the governor of Colorado uh, in October of this year. Mark Polis. Uh, yes. And... The bottom line is uh, Mr. Ramsey is saying he's basically seven, 78 years old. And he basically, I guess, feels that, you know, time's running, sort of running out for the guy. But, you know, he, he rails on the Boulder Police Department. I just want to read one paragraph. It's going to be a little long there, Alex. Are you going to give me permission to do this? Go ahead, Doug. All right. Uh, he says... I have been frustrated from the beginning by the refusal of the Boulder Police Department to accept the outside help that's been offered to them over the years. Within days of the murders, the Denver Police Department offered assistance with two experienced homicide detectives. That offer was refused. Very recently, the FBI offered to join forces with the Boulder Police Department to assist with the latest DNA technology. Now, this is according to John Ramsey. This offer was also rejected. Hold on a minute. Alex, how the hell are you going to refuse the help of the FBI? 
Yeah, I mean, if that's true, that's that's quite frustrating, right? It's just a uh, police department trying to trying to keep something for themselves for glory or shame or whatever. You know, not wanting somebody on a white horse coming in and solving the case. Um, but you would hope their desire to solve a case would win over any um, personal stuff, right? Like, oh, you can solve it? Well, thank you for helping us kind of thing. Like, I, I get wanting to hang on early on, you know, not saying, oh, we need help. Come in and, and do it, right? We all we all do it in the workplace. I, I can take care of it. Um, you know, you believe in yourself. You, you say, I know what we're doing. We can handle it. Um, but at some point, it's okay to ask for help. Uh, it's there's there's nothing wrong. It doesn't mean you're less of a police department. It doesn't mean you're less of a worker. It doesn't mean uh, you don't know what you're doing. We all need help in life. And um, if the local police are refusing to let federal or state investigators give them a hand on this one, uh, you would hope a, a governor or somebody can come in and say, okay, we're going to take that decision away from you. We're going to get involved now. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like when Governor DeSantis in Florida said, hey, you know, you, I don't like you, prosecutor. You're fired. Get the hell out of here. And, they, you know, they just took over. But um, I know I'm mixing apples and oranges there. But the, 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 the bottom line here is why wouldn't the Boulder Police Department want to remove this pimple from their department? Now, I know it sounds trivial, but... I mean, the Boulder Police Department has been hounded by this case for 26 years now. I mean, if the Pope wanted to come down and help me solve that case, I would have been like, Pope, yeah, come on in, come help, because it's like I, I would just want to get rid of this case. Yeah, you would hope that. You have to wonder if it's just pride that's in the way. Uh, the department saying, we can do it, we're going to solve it, we're going to be the ones, we don't need your help. You know, we don't want somebody coming in after we give it to them and then a year later saying, hey, we're ready to make an arrest. We know who it is. But uh, at some point, you got to throw that pride out the window because getting the killer is is the most important thing in these cases, whether it's John Bonet or a simple murder um, in, in any town USA. Um, getting the bad people off the streets, getting justice, getting answers for victims' families. Um, getting justice for that victim is should win out at the end of the day, right. especially over pride. Right, and and I mean, take a look at the at the small town police department in Moscow, Idaho, where four University of Idaho students uh, were murdered. Uh, from the time I started uh, looking into that story, um, from what I could tell, it was the Moscow Police Department, the Idaho State Police and the FBI, and my grandmother. It's like everybody was in there chopping away trying to solve this crime, right? So, I mean, I still don't know how come they haven't solved it yet, but that's a whole different matter, That's right? a different podcast there, Doug. Yes, okay. And, and now, to even put more of, of a monkey on the back of the Boulder Police Department, uh, it was recently reported that another Boulder dad has come forward to speak out uh, claiming that his daughter, Amy, or I think Amy is the pseudonym that was given to her by... Correct. Yeah, that she was sexually assaulted by a unknown intruder that broke into the family house September the 14th, 1997. So that would be about nine months after John Bonet's uh, murder. 
And it turned out that uh, this young Amy attended the same Boulder dance school as John Bonet. However, they still haven't figured out who the intruder is, and the Boulder Police Department is on the hook for that for that incident also. Yeah, I mean, I didn't go back before we hopped on the air here, but I would imagine there's a lot of people who come out and say we have a tie to this case. Uh, it's similar to, to XYZ in my life. Um, who knows if any of them are true or not. Um, but just the fact it's out there is not good for Boulder. Uh, same town, similar MO. You would hope they looked at it. You know, maybe there's maybe there's something by tying the two cases together that gives you an answer on who did either one or both of these. Um, but again, it's another bad look for that, that police department to have another very similar case hanging out there as well, albeit a heck of a lot less publicized. And you know what other case they haven't, they haven't solved either? Which one? Robert Redford's daughter's boyfriend was murdered in Boulder. So they got a couple big ones out there. Yeah, and they still I don't think they solved that one either. So maybe that's the takeaway from this this All Rise podcast here, Doug. Boulder Police Department, the land of high-profile cold cases. It seems that way, yeah. It seems like they have an entire plate of uh, cold cases uh, just, just sitting there waiting for them to uh, clean up. Well, we'll have to dive into them in a, a future edition. Um, as you guys can see, we could probably talk about John Bonet for hours and hours and hours and... We'll probably address her in future episodes of the All Rise podcast, um, but that's all we have time for today. So wait a minute. So you're telling me that I have to shut up now? That I don't? I can't talk anymore? Correct. We have to move on, Doug. Welcome to the crime world. That's we'll not move fair. Move on to the next one. Come on, I was on a roll, man. You were, but save it. We'll have future podcasts about John Bonet. We got Hoffa in the shoot. We got DB Cooper to do. Don't worry, we got plenty up ahead for you. Okay. All right. All right, everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, Be sure to catch the All Rise podcast wherever you get podcasts and join us for our next episode.